We are uh, thrilled to have with us um, a guest speaker this morning, and his name is John Shirley. Probably about three, four months ago, I'm guessing, uh, uh, John and I made a connection here and had uh, spent about an hour together and got to know John and uh, listened to his heart and uh, told me about his ministry of rescuing children and um, after that hour, I was convinced that uh, we need to have John come and share that story and ministry uh, with all of us to hopefully uh, pray about how we can partner uh, with uh, with his ministry. So the other thing that struck me uh, in meeting John was that uh, John and his wife Becky have nine children. And uh, so uh, I'm sure he'll tell maybe a little bit of that story, uh, but... Uh, we're glad that John's here. He's from Wauseon, Ohio, drove up this morning. So let's welcome uh, John to the our, our church this morning. John, welcome. Glad you're here, brother. Good morning. And Pastor Ron, thanks for having me in. And, uh, you know, I've, uh, I think most preachers allow special guests to come in for one reason or two. One of two reasons. One is uh, they don't know what they're supposed to preach that Sunday, so they're looking for a break. <clears throat> or two, uh, they have a heart for what God is doing around the world, and the Lord is moving in that individual's pastor's heart to uh, hear more about that. And I can usually tell which one it is when I when I come in in the morning, and uh, the people I meet know why I'm there already before I come, and that has certainly been. Uh, the case this morning is you've welcomed me and glad to ask questions about my family. You know, I could probably just uh, pray and we'd be done. You already know everything. So I'm thankful for that. Let me do four things this morning, please. I want to tell you a little bit about my family. I want to tell you what we're doing, tell you why we're doing it, and then ask you to prayerfully consider joining us. And so uh, my wife, Becky, and I, we are part of Live Global Missions. They're our sending agency. And we call our ministry Love Goes Home because we think that home is the first place God intends for us to learn about loving him, loving each other, and how he has loved us. And if you don't have a home, how are you going to learn those things? So that's why we call it Love Goes Home. I'll tell you what we do here in just a moment. Let me tell you a little bit about my family, and I think the next slide is ready, please. This is us. And... Uh, it was a nice, quiet ride up this morning by myself. <clears throat> we woke up, and I kind of saw this coming last night. We had we have three sick kids at home, and uh, but this is our family. We have four biological children, and uh, five we've adopted. So that uh, I can't, I can never see left to right. That's the guy in the blue. That's our oldest son. He's twenty-two. That's John Calvin. Then Hannah is to his right. James to his left, and then Sadie. So twenty-one, twenty-two, nineteen, and fifteen in the back row. And that's Becky and me in the middle. And then I'm, I have my arms around Charles. He's seven. The littlest one is King. He's three. Then Carmelo is four. Rakaila is four. And, excuse me, Renee's four. And Rakaila is uh, six. So, um, those are our children. They, uh, our five biological kids have all the same birth mom and dad. Uh, just a lot of broken tragedy there. And so, um, our story is this. I've served as a pastor for a number of years, and uh, one of the missionaries the church I pastored supported, named Mark Sturkin, he's a Live Global missionary as well, and a number of years ago, he asked me if I'd start going to Haiti with them to uh, 
do pastoral training with Haitian pastors. Live Global is all about helping the church in difficult places. We come alongside churches and partner with them, whether it's pastoral training, church planning, medical, children's ministries, uh, whatever. We come alongside the body of Christ in hard places to strengthen and equip them. So rather than moving overseas full-time, we live here in the States and build relationships between national believers overseas and uh, and the American church. And God is so amazing in all of his approaches. While we need to continue to send traditional missionaries, obviously, uh, in our mission, uh, we have no language barrier, we have no political barrier, we have no cultural barrier, we have no uh, medical barriers, because uh, the heart of the mission is being done by national believers. So while we're sitting here this morning, Love Goes Home is equipping and is rescuing kids even as we're speaking. I'll tell you about how that works in a second. So as I was going to Haiti doing pastoral training, we got involved with an orphanage there called My Father's House Orphanage and Pastor Preston. He is our national partner there. Live Global is in about 73 countries, I think, around the world with about 170 different national partners. And Pastor Preston is our national partner there that we focus our ministry through. And... uh so he had come to our home, and he was a guest speaker at the church I was pastoring for a missions conference. And uh, my wife and I have had a heart for adopting for a number of years, and we we tried to do that um, when our little, when our old kids, our biological kids were little, and it just wasn't the right time. And so we shut that door for a while. And so about maybe six or seven years ago, we tried to adopt two children from Haiti out of my father's house orphanage. Naomi and Jorbins are those two kids' names, and. Uh, for a lot of reasons, God closed those doors and they did not come. But we still uh, believe that God would have us to rescue orphans in our home. And so we became foster parents and licensed to foster and adopt. And God brought these five little guys into our home And uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, we said, uh, well, let's two, maybe three, no babies. I'm 57. My wife's a few years younger. And okay, that, that season's over, you know. The first phone call we got after getting a license, said, well, we have a sibling group of five, one to five. <laughs> well, would you take them? And so uh, we prayed about that, and uh, we kind of knew whoever the Lord brought us, that's who we would take, and our older kids were on board, and so um, that's how that happened. And uh, so Charles and Carmelo and Rakaila and Renee may be faking it, but those at least three of them are sick this morning, and our big kids are scattered around doing other things today. So that, that's who we are. That's how we got to be doing what we're doing, uh, the first step. And so while pastoring this church and uh, adopting our kids, uh, I was still really burdened for this orphanage, my father's house orphanage. And so a couple of years ago, I started a nonprofit organization called Love Goes Home, just getting it off the ground and getting some a few rescues done, putting a 501c3 together and a board of directors and... Uh, my friend Mark Stork on this missionary I've been going to Haiti with, he said, John, I've been talking to our director at Live Global, and we're really interested in what you're doing, and we want to promote you or encourage you or invite you to join us, and we could do it together. And that was just the ah moment, you know, and we knew that God was most likely moving us into a ministry of rescuing kids full time, and so that's how that happened. And so the church I was pastoring is now our sending church, and uh, dear partners with us in Wasyan. Uh, so that's uh, how we got to be a family like this, doing what we're doing with an organization very gospel-driven called Live Global. Uh, next slide, please. So this is a few months ago in October. We're, this is in the Dominican Republic. 
the gentleman there to my right is Pastor Pierre Prediston, a very godly man, church planter, uh, heart for the Lord, gospel-driven, oversees two orphanages in Haiti. We're in the process of developing another one in the Dominican Republic. And we have an institute called the, pa- the Shepherd's Bible Institute. It's a three-year program where we train and equip pastors. And so I was doing some training there in October. He's translating for me. These are mostly Haitians living in the Dominican Republic that we work with. Uh, next, please. And this is my wife, Becky. She's a nurse practitioner. So when we were there, she was doing some medical clinics and some local churches there. And uh, we saw 75 patients in two days, or she did, and got to give the gospel to every single one of those patients and then connect them to the local church that we were working with. It was remarkable how many of them uh, had no idea who Jesus was. Uh, literally, I, I could be telling them about Kermit the Frog. They have no idea what the difference. What's Christmas all about? I don't know. What's Easter? No idea. So starting with creation, you were made. Now God made you so he owns you. You're accountable to him. You sinned against him. He loves you and he's righteous and just. I mean, weaving the gospel story in there, just a great opportunity. So uh, while this is not the, the pulse of Love Goes Home, uh, we're eager to equip the local church whenever we have the opportunity, and I love to teach, and my wife is gifted in medical, so we do those things when we can. Uh, next, please. So here is a church in Haiti, and uh, quite different from where we are this morning. As you can see, uh, tin roof, tin walls, and many churches don't even have that. Uh, our focus is on helping churches help orphans. Uh, we really believe that God has commissioned the church, the body of Christ, for mission. And love parachurch ministries, but it's the body of Christ that Jesus died for, that he's called, equipped, holds accountable, builds. So we help churches to help orphans. And uh, the churches are right where the orphans are, but they don't have any ability to do anything about them. So we come alongside local churches to help rescue children who are living on the streets, abandoned. Not Sometimes in orphanages, too, we help orphanages. But uh, in Haiti and the DR, we're working with kids who would love to be in an orphanage, but they're trying to survive on their own. Then we support gospel-driven orphanages and reunite children with families, either their own or uh, a family willing to, uh, to raise them. Next, please. This is the pastor of that church we just looked at, Pastor Cadeau. And this is the day he graduated from the Shepherd's Bible Institute in Haiti. Dear man, loves the Lord and uh, serves him in ways that I cannot even possibly imagine. Next. This is a family uh, in the DR, Dominican Republic, and they've just rescued two children. And the little girl in blue is one of them. The other girl is not pictured there. And then those are his biological children there and his wife. Next. What we do is uh, we have a very simple model. We identify a gospel-driven church who is willing to be a partner with us, and uh, Love Goes Home grants them a thousand dollars, and it's a work of the church. It will be either the pastor's family that we work with, or a family that he has selected he disciples, and uh, so they use that thousand dollars to start a small business in order to have enough revenue to support two more children. Uh, so most of these families are living in abject poverty, and to ask them to bring children into the home to, to raise, it's impossible. So they, here's a little business, uh, they call it a boutique or a small grocery store in the DR that just opened, and uh, that's the inside of it. And then as that business goes, uh, they, they repay that grant or loan back. It doesn't come back to us, it stays in country with that church and goes to the next family and the next church to, to rescue kids. And so... Uh, I don't make it home today. God calls me home. 
Uh, by his grace, the, the ministry is self-perpetuating. Uh, we have an individual overseas that in the Dominican Republic, Pastor Charlie, and then Pastor Israel in Haiti oversees that part of the ministry of uh, allocating those resources. Next. This is the inside of that store. This pastor and his wife have taken two kids off of the streets, and they agreed not to take them off of the streets for a couple of days or for a vacation. They raise them until the children are grown. They become part of their family. Next. Uh, these are kids that were living on the streets a few months ago, and now they have food to eat. If you're familiar with what's going on in Haiti, it's basically a war zone there now. The government is collapsing as gangs, gangs take over, kidnappings, murder. Uh, if you're a child on the street and there are thousands and thousands and tens upon thousands there, you will either steal, beg, be trafficked, or join a gang to survive, if you can survive. And so these, these children now are, have been rescued and they're living at home. They can eat every day. Uh, they, you can go days and days without eating if you don't have any uh, source of revenue, obviously. Uh, clean water to drink. We all take that for granted. But if you're drinking out of a ditch that's also a, a latrine, uh, you can see uh, the health issues there, cholera and, and so many other things, dysentery. Uh, with $1,000, they purchased two beds. So rather than sleeping in a ditch under a tree or behind a building, they have a bed to sleep in. Uh, a number of months back, I asked Pastor Predestin, our, our national partner there, that I had that first slide of. I said, Pastor Predestin, could you send me some pictures of kids living on the street in Haiti? And he lives in the Port-au-Prince area. And he says, sure, no problem, John. He sent me a bunch of pictures. It's easy. And I said, could you take some pictures of where these kids are sleeping at night? He said, no, I'm not going to do that. It's too dangerous for me to go there. So this man uh, is a veteran of survival in Haiti, unwilling to go where the children are sleeping at night. So you you obviously see the need there. Uh, the epistle First John says, We are to love not only in deed, but in word. So if we came alongside and fed them and gave them clothing and and shelter, that's amazing. Uh, but not only are they homeless, they are Christless. And so this is the work of the body of Christ, making disciples. And so all of these children are going to homes of Jesus' followers. And so they're going to church on Sunday, hearing that they need a Savior because they are a sinner as well. Rescued from survival by any means. That's one of the uh, foster moms there. Next, please. Children need somebody just to love them. I don't know how many times yesterday I picked up a kid because he was crying about whatever it was they were crying about. Kids cry. And they need somebody to say, I love you, and it's going to be okay. Uh, Here in the United States, uh, our taxes pay for school, and kids go there. Not so much in Haiti and the Dominican Republic. You have to pay to go to school. And so through the revenue of the businesses that they start, uh, these kids are off the streets going to school. Some of the businesses, by the way, I should have mentioned this. We see, we've seen them. Stores started, people selling soap, food. We helped a guy in the Dominican Republic um, buy a motorcycle so he could have a, traf- or a, a taxi service. 
We're in the process, uh, Lord willing, when we go in June to start an aquaponics farm where they're going to raise tilapia fish uh, for profit. So pretty excited to see all that going on. But to use those proceeds to help educate these children as well. And uh, here is a young lady. What an amazing story. Off of the streets into a home right at an age where uh, you're on you're on the balance, the brink of what what, what are you going to be as an adult? So she now has godly, biblical influence in her life, helping her know what life is all about. All ages. Uh, this little girl's name is Ruth. Uh, I've got a, a four-year-old daughter at home. Ruth is probably about two or three. I cannot imagine what Ruth and tens of thousands of children, if you look out on our on my little table out there, there's a picture of a little boy holding a sign. I think it says 157 million. According to UNICEF, that's how many number of orphans there are in the world, and different types of orphans. Next, please. So these are two little boys uh, just rescued, and that's the pastor there in green, and he and his family started a small store in their in their home. The little boy on the right in blue, his mom died, and then his father was killed in the process of stealing his motorcycle. Uh, so orphaned, abandoned, and taken into this family. Next, please. It speaks for itself. Next. <clears throat> and God is using us to change lives forever. And I think about the pattern we see in the New Testament where the church in Jerusalem, sound gospel-driven church, but in great need. And so the Apostle Paul is traveling around to other parts of Europe, the other parts of the body of Christ, saying, listen, the, the arm in Jerusalem is suffering. The leg in Macedonia needs to come along and help. It's, it's, it's who, we have one head, Jesus, and we're the body. And so we're coming alongside our brothers and sisters to rescue these kids. Imagine uh, right here in this neighborhood there are kids starving and dying and being sold into sex trafficking and you had no ability to do anything about it. And you got a call from a church in Columbus, Ohio, maybe, and said, we want to help you help those kids. That's what this ministry is all about. Next. So thank you. That's what we're doing and who we're doing it with. Next slide, please. Here are four specific blessings that uh, I see coming through this ministry. One, the church in the United States has an opportunity to follow the Lord's command to care for orphans. Uh, we live in a country where our government does so much of this for us, and that's good. We're thankful for that. But sometimes the body of Christ, we, we you know, the government's doing it. Um, I, I really know very little about uh, your specific ministries or your individual lives here this morning, so I, I can say this without stepping on anybody's toes. Uh, but it's been my experience that most people in most churches never have impact on a single orphan their entire life. We just we don't know what to do. So through this ministry and others, uh, that, that, what was the name? Of it? World World Mission. World Mission. That was that's pretty awesome. Whatever you're doing there, that what a need, fantastic. So opportunities like. This is what the, the church is given through ministries like ours. And then these churches in these difficult places have a very unique gospel opportunity. So imagine these kids living homeless, destitute on the streets around these churches, and they are literally, on Friday. 
And then on Saturday, they're rescued. And on Sunday, they're in church. And all that community is seeing that. How did this little child go into your home? I, I, you're just as poor as I am. Let me tell you about the body of Christ. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about what it means to be adopted. Because those of us who are saved have been adopted into the body of Christ. Great gospel opportunities. And of course, the families doing the rescuing are following the Lord's commands and given some financial relief from their burdens as well. And of course, the the kids are impacted physically and hopefully for eternity. Next, please. So let me tell you why this isn't just a great idea. Uh, because God tells us to do it. Jesus was asked, what is the great command? What's the, and he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. He was asked for one, but he was given two. Love your neighbor as yourself. You see, we, we know this already, but so much of our loving of God is actually demonstrated in the way we love other people. Because love is about meeting needs, even at the expense of your own needs being met. So God has designed his body of Christ to love others as a demonstration of our love for him. Turn with me over to this passage in James chapter 1, please, for just a couple of moments. And we're heading for verse 27, but would you pick it up with me in verse 21? I'm going to read 21 to the end. This is James chapter 1, 21 to the end of the chapter. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows, in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Can I pray, please? God in heaven, how amazing it is that you created us and then you have redeemed us. You have bought us. You've purchased us, and the price tag was your son. Now you've sent us out. Thank you for that. Help us to think biblically and lovingly this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me just... Fly through this super duper fast. In verse 21, the subject here is salvation, repentance and salvation. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. That's repentance. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to your souls. That's faith. Uh, two sides, same coin for salvation faith, repentance. Saving faith has repentance attached to it. But we need to be very clear there is nothing we do that saves us. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's a gift, lest any man should boast. So whatever James is about to talk about now, after this, is not about, okay, now go do to earn your salvation. He's not saying adopt a couple orphans and you get to go to heaven. Uh, but I, so we have to, we come with that understanding. We'll let the Bible interpret the Bible. But we see the topic here is salvation. Here's what I'm trying to say. And I think this is what James is saying. We are not just saved from something. 
We are saved for something. If we were just saved from something, from hell, we'd be raptured the moment we're born again. Okay? Saved? Come on up. You're saved? Come up. He's leaving us here for a reason. And that's what this rest of this text talks about. Because you look in verse 22. In verse 22, there's a warning to those who think you're just saved from and not saved for. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see, what he's saying is here, if there's no change in the purpose of your life after you have claimed Christ, you are deceived. And you have deceived yourself. Because you understand the gospel incorrectly. And a wrong gospel, a weak gospel, or the wrong response to the gospel is not salvation. So again, he's not saying do this and get saved. He's saying when you are saved, this is what you do. And he uses this comparison. We, he says, if, if anyone is a hero of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. It's like I go this morning and look in the mirror and I see, oh, uh, I, I missed this whole side of my face shaving. I, I see that, I recognize the area, but then I just walk out of the bathroom and never do anything about it. It's like the person who comes to church, we hear the sermon, we read the Bible, we have our devotions, we hear it, we hear it, we hear it, but then we just walk away from it every time. That's not what God's plan is, and so that, that's what he's getting to. And then he moved down to verse 26, please, of James 1. If anyone among you thinks he's religious, is that you? It's me. And is not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. We readily agree with that. If I came up here, or you know, more likely, walked out of here and started talking like a sailor, if you understand what I'm saying, uh, you know, and the words of my mouth are not pleasing to the Lord, we think, is that guy really saved? Uh, we know there's something that happens with our speech when we're born again, because the, speech, what, the tongue is a reflection of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what I say is a reflection of who I am inside. And so we all agree with that. If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, you know, deceives his own heart. And then let's, let's just read the next verse, uh, 27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. We all agree that, okay, if we're going to follow Christ, we have to be unspotted from the world. We don't start looking like those who don't love Jesus. And so this issue of our tongue and our actions, we're, we're all about that. But the one in the middle, we, we don't really know what to do with sometimes about th- this orphan widow business. The idea here is those are the people who need the church the most, the body of Christ the most. In this culture, there was no social security. There was no social net. God ordained the family. If you didn't have a husband, if you didn't have a parent, you were gone. And so God sends his body. Go love these people. You love me, love them. That's what this is all about. Uh, Next slide, please. So out of the great commands flow the great commission. Jesus said, if you follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. Let me ask you a question. Can I have a little audience participation, please? Would you raise your hand if the first time you heard about Jesus was at home, mom and dad as a kid? I'll leave them up, maybe it's vacation Bible school, Awana, something like that. Almost almost every single hand here was raised. But what if you don't have a mom or dad to tell you about Jesus or no vacation Bible school or Awana program? 
And, and then in the Great Commission there, Matthew 28, says, Go and teach them to observe the things I have taught you, and I'll be with you always to the end of the age. Where does that teaching occur? We well, go back to Deuteronomy 6, in the home. Dad, teach them. So you have nobody fishing for you. You have nobody teaching you how to live in a way that brings glory to God. You, you see the reason God calls his church. So out of the great commands of loving God and loving others flows this great commission. I love God, so I want to obey him. I love others, so I want to serve them. And of course, if we love God, we want to talk about whom we love and please the ones we love. So out of the great commands flow the great commission. Uh, next slide, please. In light of the great conclusion. Uh, flip back to Matthew chapter 25 with me. Now, it's always important to understand the context of the passage that we're teaching. And uh, if my eschatology is correct, this probably occurs at the end of the tribulation period, after the rapture and all those things. And so the church itself will not be here unless we're there as witnesses returning with Christ. But I want to look at this because we see the heart of the king of the universe. And his heart doesn't change, no matter what the eschatological setting may be. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. Matthew twenty five thirty one, and we'll read it to the end of the chapter. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. So you see, this is judgment day on earth. Two types of people, sheep, goats. Two types of people, two destinations. And then there are two descriptions of those people. Verse 33, he will set the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king, the ruler, the owner of all the universe, says to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared before you from the foundation of the world. That's going to heaven. That's salvation. Now, remember, we've already discussed we're not saved by what we do. And the very next thing Jesus could say is, Come, to the kingdom inherit for you from the foundation of the world because you repented of your sins, because of John 3.16, because of Romans 10.9. It could have put any of those verses in there and it would have been perfect. But that's not what Jesus says. He says this, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared, prepared, prepared for you from the foundation of the world for... Or because I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Remember, those things aren't earning their salvation. He's saying, that's the evidence that you belong to me and you're going to heaven. Because no one can see the soul inside. But we can all see what we choose to do with our lives. By your fruits, you'll be known. I'll be known. And he goes on, they're a little bit surprised by his answer, aren't they? Verse 37, then the righteous will answer them saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he also say to those on the left hand, depart from me. 
You cursed into the everlasting fire prepared before you from the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer him saying, Lord, they're surprised also. When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me, and they will go away in everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The great commands of loving God and love others lead to the great commission of fishing for men and teaching them to observe all things because we're going to live like we believe the great conclusion is coming. Does the return of Christ motivate me to live in light of the great commands and the great commission? Next, please. So that's who we are. That's what we're doing. That's why God commands us to do it. And here's where we are right now. Lord willing, uh, this summer I'm going to India. And we have a national partner in the HC, and that's his wife, Chingboy. They're India. They live in Manipur, India there. And uh He's been a Live Global national partner for years, a mature Jesus follower, church planter, pastor, works with several orphanages, has a heart for orphans. And so these are the types of partners we try to find, and we're going to go there, and we're going to, he oversees a, a church association, a pastoral association of churches, and we're going to equip these pastors to start small businesses so they can rescue children out of orphanages there, get them out of orphanages into the pastor's families. So, Lord willing, that will start in uh, this summer. And uh, the cost there, he, he is asking that uh, each business is given uh, $1,500 there. Things are a little more expensive in India than they are in Haiti and the DR. So we're very excited about that. And you appreciate your praying about that trip. God provides the means for that. Uh, next slide, please. And this is back in the Dominican Republic. This is another uh, venture that's going on. There's Pastor Predestin, our partner there, and another pastor. Uh, we just... We uh, we just purchased 30 acres of land in the Dominican Republic. And uh, there will be an orphanage, a school, and a church there, and a farm. And the farm's already being planted, and the proceeds of that farm will go to help the orphanage in Haiti, my father's house orphanage. And this orphanage here is going to be less dependent upon uh, foreign support. And um, so this is where we're going to be putting the hydroponics farm on this 30 acres. So really excited about that. As God continues to rescue kids, these are other things that we're involved in as well. Next slide, please. So uh, I'd ask you to pray about joining us. We're just a little over 20% in our family support. And I ask you to prayerfully consider supporting national partners. And so here's how our ministry works. Uh, my wife and I are missionaries. We're raising support like other missionaries do. God is providing for that. And um, so since I'm, I'm not moving to India full-time, you think, well, what do you do as a missionary every day, John? Well, uh Lord willing, I'm in a church every Sunday presenting opportunities to partner with us and partner with our partners like we're doing. And then on Mondays and Fridays, I travel, uh, for instance, when we, like visiting Pastor Ron and building relationships. And then on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I'm at home uh, on the phone talking to our national partners, contacting uh, pastors and believers to make contact with them and doing all our paperwork and watching a couple of kids who aren't school age yet. And on those three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, my wife works, and uh, as her support comes in, she'll work less so I can travel more, and uh, that's our plan there. And so uh, last year, actually in the past 11 months, uh, God has provided for 86 children 
be taken off of the streets and placed in the homes of Jesus' followers. And so those resources all come from gifts. So, uh, for instance, many times I'll speak in a church, and that church gives us a love gift. We keep none of that for our, our support. All of those finances and resources go to rescuing children. So we trust God to provide for our families. He sees fit as we help churches partner with our national believers to rescue these kids. And so we're asking you to prayerfully consider joining us and being a part of that. Next, please. Uh, we have individuals who are part of our support family. We have churches part of our support family. Uh, that's our ministry website there, liveglobal.org slash Shirley. That brings you up to a page. It says you can support the family, support rescue, tell us about our mission. If you go down to the bottom of that website, there's a little video about Live Global. Tell us more. And if you're interested in learning about Live Global, that's just liveglobal.org. Put the slash Shirley on there. That's our own personal website. And uh, next slide, please. That's Becky, and she sends her love this morning, and um, all of her family does. And again, what a blessing it is to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, We have one Lord, one mission, one church, as we uh, obey the great commands on the Great Commission, because we believe the great conclusion is coming. And I oftentimes close... I'm going to pray and talk to our Heavenly Father, and I want to thank Him for my earthly father. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a home. Uh, Mom and Dad love Jesus. My mom is with the Lord now. My dad's uh, 90 and a half, and he lives in a place where they take care of him now, and he's not the way he used to be. Uh, but it was my dad who led me to the Lord when I was 10 years old at the dinner table. And uh, God's sovereign over our salvation, but He's also sovereign on the means of how we get saved. And uh, I'm thankful that I had a dad, like many of you did. And so we're called to step in for those children who don't have one. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for listening to us. Thank you for rescuing us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of your love. Satan was our father until you rescued us, Lord. Uh, We know there are... Well, we live in a broken world, God. And there's no one more broken by the effects of sin than a child who is homeless and Christless. Use us to do what you want to do about that. In Jesus' name, amen. 